You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have an amazing show for you. It is uh, my guest is Ryan Prouse, the director of Low Life. Um, Low Life is in theaters and on demand this Friday, April 6th from IFC Midnight. And I had the good fortune of catching an early screening of Low Life here in Los Angeles back in November of 2017 after a friend of mine who works over at IFC who just loves the film. Um, gave me a little bit of a heads up and said, hey, I think you're really going to love this one. If you can come, you need to check this out. And so I trusted his judgment and I went and this movie is just so incredibly cool. It is, if I can suggest, if you can take my word for it and just head out and go see it, that's the best way. I went in completely blind. I had no... um, Aside from the recommendation from my friend Matthew, I had no, I didn't see a trailer, I didn't read a review, I didn't read a synopsis, I just went. And, um, you know, it's, the movie is cool, it's dark, it's twisted, but it's also hilarious and so well acted and well constructed. And I just, it's, it's one of those movies that you catch early and you go, holy shit, this is something that people are gonna lose their mind over. And so it was my thrill to have Ryan as my guest today talking about uh, Martin Scorsese's movie Taxi Driver. And um, so if you haven't been noticing a theme with a lot of these classic films, um, this is also one that I had avoided and never seen. Um, and we talk about it at length in this in this episode, the reasons that I didn't I hadn't seen Taxi Driver. And it was it was almost intentional. Um, I knew I was going to get around to it one day, but I also it, it just seemed like it was going to be an unpleasant experience. And um and so I sort of avoided it, but it was a great opportunity to watch Taxi Driver uh, after Ryan prompted me to. And I'm glad that I did. I loved the film. It's such a well-made film. The It's an interesting movie. It's so of its time. And yet it feels really timely. And that's something that uh, Ryan and I talk about a lot in this episode. Just to give you a heads up, we were um, we recorded this episode in February, right after the Parkland shootings here in the United States. And um, so we are talking. Oh, that, that does come up in the conversation, but I think um, within the context of the conversation, it makes perfect sense. Um, so that is um, another thing. I guess that's all that I need to tell you going in. Um, I, I loved this conversation. Ryan is is an incredible filmmaker and a really fun guy, and um, it was my treat to have him. And lastly, just as a reminder, Sending the Wolf is coming to Atlanta. We are doing a live show in June uh, at the Terminus Conference, and uh, you can, if you're interested in coming, the date is, I want to say, June 16th. Let me double check. I should have 
have this memorized by now. June 16th, Saturday, June 16th in Atlanta, Georgia. The guest is still being confirmed, but if it's anybody like the people I've interviewed in the past on behalf of the Terminus Conference, uh, like James Gunn or Sean Gunn or um, Kathy Bates or Carl Reiner, or the list goes on and on, then it'll be something really special. Um, and if you are interested and you want a discount all-access badge, you can get that at Terminus.com uh, and the use the code sending s-e-n-d-i-n-g the wolf um to get your access badge for the entire conference it is um the, the, it's for anybody who's a fan of entertainment or wants to work in entertainment or gaming uh it's it's a really really one-of-a-kind opportunity so i highly recommend it and i will be there doing a live episode and i can't wait Alrighty, friends without further ado here is ryan prowse director of low life talking about martin scorsese's taxi driver <laughs> I didn't start it okay, yet. Can we fake it? Like, <laughs> we can... wait, are you recording? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been recording this whole time. Wow. All of our very interesting conversations about <laughs> moving across the country. Should not have given my bank details. <laughs> exactly. And now I have your social security number. Um, so, oh, actually though, one thing I did want to ask you before we started rolling, but we're rolling now and that's fine. Do you say your last name Prowse? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Because I just Prowse want- House. Prowse, uh, Prowse House. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, this is so and it's also funny because I have never I don't think I've ever done one of these where I have never met the person before oh, okay. and so it's kind of fun yeah. for me I feel like a real podcaster <laughs> if there is such a thing uh, yeah yeah <laughs> allegedly so okay um, let's I wanted to um, generally talk to you about your film school experience. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds like a silly question, but because we're talking about Taxi Driver, yep. um, that was something that jumped out at me. Yep. So you are from Atlanta originally. Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, as am I. Hey, and, Brady, baby. Yeah, exactly. Real deal. I love it. Do you, do you, um, I'm one of those people where if anybody says hot Atlanta to me, I always say no one in Atlanta says Yeah, hot of course Atlanta. not. No. <laughs> and so I always try to tell like ATL, I do say. Yeah. Yeah, like of so, course, my, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Anti alien, all that. Exactly, yeah. that's right. I, me, and Outcast, we're yeah. we're besties. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, film school. So now you moved to Los Angeles from uh, Atlanta. Did you study film in Atlanta? Yeah, I went to Georgia State. So did I. Yeah, for film. Crazy. I, I feel like we were like it's like sliding doors. Yeah. Like we were like mirroring the same exact life. Oh um, man, when what year did you graduate? Two thousand six. Okay, so you're you're about two years ahead of me. Okay, um, that's cool. Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah. So, went to Georgia State for filmmaking in their film and video program, uh, and you were probably more party to this than I was. But um, they decided to destroy all art and like lean into uh, having a football team. Uh huh. Yes. I, I, I was there. Let's see. When I was there, I think basketball okay. was the big thing. Um, but, and then the football team came after. So yeah. sports. Yes. Sports. Sports destroyed art. No. At, at Georgia State. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait a minute. Why do you say that? Well, so yeah, they got rid of all, like they got rid of the film program, pretty much production. They got, they sold all their cameras, everything. Okay. Amongst other like, you know, metal smithing, whatever, any kind of art stuff sure. um but that was kind of a good lesson to me i've always said of like i started 
then managing the TV station. Okay. And really just, I didn't do any TV station stuff. I just was making my own films at the TV station. Okay, so smart. it was like, Very however smart. you could kind of make, you know, stuff. Um, which then, yeah, led me to now where I'm making, you know, movies, uh, hook or crook by hook or crook kind of thing. Okay. And then, so you came out here to attend AFI, is that right? Yeah. Now, did you, had you already been accepted when you moved out here? Yeah. I, I'd actually, I tried two years before I got uh, accepted okay. and didn't get in. So just kept trying and uh, finally got accepted. And yep, as I was saying, drug my wife out here. Uh-huh. My wife and I moved out, made the big plunge. Um, that was 2009. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've never, so, so the, the, you know, um, this show or the format of the show uses the AFI lists, right. um, which I, which I've never actually gotten to talk to anybody about yeah. from, from especially who has any affiliation with AFI. Um, and of course it's just, you know, I've said this before, but it's just basic parameters, yeah, you know, yeah, instead definitely. of saying no, it's like, a good, it's a good yeah, sort of system, but do they ever talk about like is there is there any culture of like the idea of the AFI ness of it all like the idea that you know I mean because these lists are if you live in the U.S. it's kind of like these are the definitive ones yeah no I remember yeah being in high school like when one of the I think the first list came out or something or one of the lists where uh you know, going through the checklist, you got a blockbuster or whatever, and yes. like renting every movie yes. and going down and watching every movie. So yeah, it was definitely like a huge thing. And just, I think of a, awareness, there's like a, I feel like it's like the unspoken sort of like rule of AFI of it being <clears throat> like I, my personal beliefs, you know, I went to, I went to school there, but like the list itself, I feel like is kind of snobby. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, sort of the vibe of the school mm-hmm. as well even from what they want to kind of what they want to, to represent the the uh brand and everything so like the films they get behind the filmmakers they kind of get behind you know the people that you know like aronofsky or even paul schrader we're talking about taxi mm-hmm. driver uh schrader got kicked out <laughs> of, of afi mm-hmm. uh which led him to writing taxi driver so that was kind of interesting yes and, like you know, a lot of these filmmakers get kicked out because they're they're too they're doing their own thing and they're so kind of against the grain. And I do feel like you know, to a certain extent, like it's the status quo. Yeah. You know, the list itself. So I feel like that's what AFI really. You know, it's kind of like a corny status quo sort sure. of. Sure. They're, they're playing it safe, I guess. Well, that's something that, you know, we talk about a lot on this show is, is bringing in voices to the to the equation and, and saying like, hey, maybe the, like I wouldn't put this on the 100 best right, or, you know, right. and, and so that's been kind of fun. With but those other lists are like kind of I feel like the cop outs of like they're like, OK, we have to start like putting other movies on that aren't you know, 80 different musicals from 1932. Exactly. You know? And that's the thing is, I mean, so the the sort of. This started because, or at least the portion at the end where some, you know, you get to add your movie or add a movie that's not on the list, Mm -hmm. started because on the thrills list, um, John Carpenter's The Thing is not on there. Which is crazy. It is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And that's something that's always stood out to me. You know, I I did a little research, this was years ago, but looking at the reviews, because The Thing was famously savage, Mm -hmm. not only by critics, and Carpenter himself talks about this, but by uh, fans. The fans hated it at the time. 
And well, it was like the ET year, right? That's so exactly people right. People didn't want to hear it. And did it wasn't it also the Blade Runner year? Yeah. 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 So 82? it was it was a, it was a mess. <laughs> but I say that to say that you know I feel very strongly that it's just incorrect to not have an American film like that on your thrills list, you know? And so, um, so the reexamining of it is kind of fun. Um, but then oftentimes I find that these movies are there for a reason, which is kind of the tricky part of it all. No, I mean, I mean, it's like the list has awesome. And I mean, like I love Susan Cain, but it's like they're, I feel like if they, when, when they eventually do a new one, they're never going to, they can't admit that that's not exactly. number one, you know, right. it's like, and that's kind of that prevailing sense of like, you need to be making you know, like important stuff like that, even if sort of like, and again, Citizen Kane is maybe not the best at all. Cause it's a fun movie to watch right. too, but you know, it's like, it has to be, it has to have this weight to it of the stuff that they get behind. It so, feels like vegetables sometimes. Yeah. And it's always there. Like, like with with the conservatory they're trying to kind of push you towards doing that sort of like you know bigger important oscar baby kind of character drama stuff which you know i talk to students there now or like you know like mentor students or whatever and and i'm always like and i was even at school i was like the genre guy Mm -hmm. you know for my stuff as well but it's like yeah that's what's so cool about genre is you can like take that you can you can include all that stuff and then also kind of like dig into you know something that still is watchable and fun but yeah. then also says something you know and and if we can talk about low life for a second yeah, of um i so the the brief story of of how i saw this is matthew who works for ifc is a is a friend of mine and he reached out to me back in november and was like if you're free, this, it was, it was the most random time too. It was like a Saturday at four o'clock <laughs> yeah, or yeah. something. And it was like, if you're free at on Saturday at four o'clock, you have to come see this movie. There's a screening over at AFI. And, um, and, and I was like, okay, well, if he says that this is something that, cause he knows my taste pretty well. Right. So if he says this is something I got to see, I'll go see it. And I went and, um, and was just so, the movie is so good. Thank you. And I don't say that because you're sitting here, right. I wanted you you to be sitting You're here saying, despite it, it no, I'm <laughs> saying it because I wanted you to be sitting here because it's so good and um I actually dug up the email that I wrote to Matthew after I saw it and I the exact words were brutal funny heartfelt with fantastic performances yeah and I, you. I you're welcome but I say that to say um it was crazy to as we just talked about all the AFI stuff to watch this movie yeah at AFI, yeah. it was it was kind of baller. It, it was, and so like, can you fire. talk about that a little? Well, even you know, it kind of what we're saying. It's like this is a film that like I mean they've been very AFI's been supportive after the fact and really helped us out or whatever. But like, yeah, I feel like it's kind of the movie they would not have wanted us to make, yes. you know, as our first thing or whatever. So, but and I and to that point, it's like I feel like you know the film. It's really cool. It's like. I call it like a little mini commercial for AFI. Like all everybody who were like the main, you know, cast and or excuse me, the main crew of the whole thing and all the department heads, we all went to school together at AFI. Mm-hmm. We all were like in the same year and came out and like continued to work together. And that's the a really big thing that I got from from school and like from AFI specifically that I really, you know, um I always still is always in the back of my mind when I'm working on something, it's just like that that they always preach like the art of collaboration. Yes. And you know, 
it's I think it's born out of like Taxi Driver and every other movie. It's like that uh, that are on that's on the list where it's like you know it it is like uh, director centric or writer centric sort of medium. Yeah. But like there's so like when you know every discipline's kind of working in sequence mm-hmm. and you're kind of working together to to bring something, uh, you know to the forefront then it's like you can do amazing things and really with with low life we had like not we it was a no budget movie yeah. you know but it was really i was really fortunate that like i got to work with all my buddies and we all like you know see stuff the same way and kind of came together to make the movie so i don't know it's it's like it's the best way it could have happened but it also is like never the plan like it's kind of crazy that, that it actually worked well know? it it does work so and you know um one of the th- speaking of collaboration one of the things i noticed right off the bat was um as the credits rolled in the beginning or the opening credits uh there or do you you have opening credits yeah, don't you yeah. yeah um that i noticed multiple screenwriters yeah, five there were five screenwriters that yeah. that really stood out to me in a but the fact that it worked right is is kind of remarkable it is yeah and it it was like a cool i don't know it was like you know necessity by Mm -hmm. necessity but it was just we initially the idea was to do an anthology film so that we could just if we had to how whatever we could do to shoot the movie we'd shoot it nights and weekends we'd make short films that kind of came together whatever it was uh and we treated which i think is kind of novel approach to it is we treated writing the script like a tv writer's room where we got together we all kind of just threw ideas around and mm-hmm. broke the story mm-hmm. went away wrote our separate pieces came back together and then like because we had gone to school together we had done like you know stuff online like sketches and a web series and stuff together and we had kind of a, a shorthand on that front like we were able to i think then like uniformly sort of you know come out with a vision of like the script itself and then uh i i also think i mean you know i think like i mean i was i was one of the writers but i think that's like a big part of it too is like writing something that you're directing helps you know you can kind of just especially with no money no time anything it's like you can kind of you can cut a lot of that sort of like you know uh, leg workout early on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has to be all in. It feels like, yeah. Yeah. Especially for again, no budget. It's like, you don't have time to kind of be arguing or whatever over little trivial stuff. So it was cool that like, we really got to like almost by committee, like, like problem solve early on with the script so that when we were shooting and you know, all the, one of the writers was, was one of the main actors mm-hmm. in it. <clears throat> Shay played uh, Keith, um, Randy's buddy. Uh, so, and then two of the writers were producers. So it's like, they were also yeah. on set to help with that. But yeah, I don't know. It was just a, it's a, a very, like, uh, like anything, everybody I think kind of comes to like their career, like their first feature or whatever in a different way. But then also it's always kind of the same, you yeah. know, it's like, you just have to push through and make it. Yeah. But you know, I, and again, not to keep like doubling back to taxi driver, but I take so much from sort of the spirit of the mentality of like, you know, that they had to make that movie and they had to figure out how to do it. And, you know, it like the work then speaks for itself kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I try not to be too 
it it sounds it sounds weird, but I try not to do too much research because I don't ever want the podcast to feel like a history lesson. Yeah, yeah. But then again, sometimes you know you take in a movie without certain information and then you go back and you go, oh, well, that answers that question. If I had Googled this, I <laughs> right. would have known. Um, and so I did do a little bit of background on Taxi Driver. And, um, you know, I read Scorsese had said it, it, it was it ended up in hindsight being a blessing. We didn't have any money because if we did have money, it would have been a disaster. Yeah. And it's those it's one of those type of movies. And I mean, low life's like that, too, where it's like we tried to initially send that script around, which was mm. crazy, like. I can't imagine getting yeah. that script and reading it and saying like, what do you want yeah. to do? Like this is ridiculous. So there, there is a, I do think that there are those movies where it's like, you know, and it may have even been from this, but I, I don't know. Like there's a saying of it being like, you know, making the budget your aesthetic. Mm. And it's such a cool thing with taxi driver. Like it's the punkest, rawest, nastiest, gnarliest movie because it has to be, because that's what the movie's about. Totally. You know, that's the vibe of the movie. Is this the one that you grew up on? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. How, how did you, so I, I always like, if I find it very interesting where people who either work in the industry or have a love of mm -hmm. movies and entertainment, where uh, they first, who was their gatekeeper, Yeah. you know? And did, so did you have one when it came to film? Like somebody who, who was, you know, introduced you into a world or whose recommendations you trusted or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I had like an older, like an uncle who was kind of almost like an older brother. Like he's, you know, I, I think like 14, 13 years older than okay. me, something like that. So, and he was more really for like comics, like I was super into comic books and stuff as a kid, still, still am, but like that really got me into that and, and some movies. Um, but I think that kind of gave like the initial pull of like, you know, I was reading, I mean, this is super nerdy, but it's like, you know, reading like, um, like Frank Miller's Daredevil mm -hmm. from like the eighties or whatever. And he referenced Taxi Driver, and, you know, so as a kid, I was like, I mean, I'm not old enough to have been when those comics were coming out, but I'm reading the back issues and, and like, what's taxi driver. So I, I saw taxi driver pretty young, just in like kind of seeking it out from, you know, you, you hear, I mean, it, it had permeated obviously the culture in general. And I started getting into punk and stuff like at pretty young, you know, like in high school or whatever. Yeah. So all those, all that stuff kind of culminated to like, oh, I've got to see this movie. Um, <clears throat> and I, re yeah, I remember the, Actually, it was really cool. Like, I got a chance to see the first, like, this doesn't happen often for me or hadn't for me, but, like, uh, I actually got a chance to see the movie in the theater. Like, oh. it was, like, a retro screening of the movie or whatever for the first time. And that I can remember that experience as, like, one of the best, you know, like, sort of theatrical experiences. And I'm not even super into, like, um, yeah, I don't know, like like seeing him even just little things like on screen watching a movie I'm sitting there watching a movie in kind of a ratty theater mm -hmm. and he's and it just it felt like it put you in that you know that place and the I remember the print was super like gnarled up and colors were all funky and popping and everything it just was like such a cool experience you know yeah it's um this is a movie that uh I I had never seen I had never seen Taxi Driver. Yeah, you said that. And, <laughs> I, and, I couldn't even respond to it. I was like, wow. I, yeah. Well, so the reason that I never have seen it is because growing up um, as a person who's like interested in movies, you obviously know of there's a handful of movies that I feel like everybody knows yeah. of. Yeah. And um, or it's like 
I the, I always too like uh, you know The Simpsons. I, I saw like so many references yes. that I didn't know what it was yes. until you like watch the film and then you're like, oh, I I, I didn't get that. Exactly. Know? I'm I'm the same way. And so, but um, and I wrote this down when I when <laughs> when I was watching the movie finally. Um, I f- I didn't ever watch this movie because I knew it would be unpleasant. Oh yeah. And and that's I think something that you know. In, on the one hand, there's something to be said for watching all the, the important stuff that came before and was so influential. Um, but on the other hand, there's something to be said for like, oh, I just this is going to be brutal. That'd be a punishment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I, I totally like. I loved this movie. I thought it was. I mean, I, I'm not saying I thought it was great, like as in a review, but like you know, my two cents <laughs> yeah. on Taxi Driver. Now that Hot I finally take. see Taxi Driver is good. <laughs> exactly. So, so, yeah. Alert the press. Um, but. I say that because sometimes when you go back and you watch something that has been acclaimed or you think you know what it is or it almost defines a generation of movies um, and then and then you go, okay, well, that's it or okay, I see why that was a thing at the time or for instance, I am. I, you know, for me, Easy Rider doesn't really yeah. do, do anything I, for I'll me. Agree with that, yeah. um, but it's one of those movies yeah. that broke the mold and right. changed Hollywood. Right. So this was one that I did not feel that way about. This was one where, and I think it was, it was in addition to the performance being so De Niro's performance and all the supporting performances mm-hmm. being so good. I think it was you see the way Scorsese is directing that oh, movie, 100%. and the way yeah. the camera moves was was. Um, s- the way the camera moved and captured what was happening was so beautiful mm-hmm. and contrast to such a, a ugly um, story and film, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. I, and I, I love Scorsese stuff, of course. Again, who's, like, arguing? But, yes, um, yes. But, yeah, this one specifically, it's even – it's really interesting to me, and I, I rewatched it a couple of times just to kind of – for mm-hmm. this, just to get ready. I hadn't seen it in a little bit, but um, – uh, on this last watch, I kind of noticed, so he's, you know, Scorsese's pretty famous for a lot of his stuff. Like you think of Raging Bull or something where it's just very like, it's designed and directed, mm-hmm. as you say. And like, uh, these sequences that are, that are in the camera is like telling the story. I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a cinematic visual sort of storyteller, but like, like take, you know, Raging Bull, for example, of it being like the fight scenes, they feel like very beautiful and operatic and he had all the time in the world to kind of like shoot it and like he could do what he wanted to do with it. This is like, there are beautiful moments in it, but there's so many weird little like, like mistakes or kind of stuff that like, that makes it feel more human and more like real to me, you know? So it's like, it's getting away from sort of the artifice of like, I feel like sometimes his stuff, you can see the hand a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And and I think part of it is because they're focused so much on De Niro and his performance and like making a character piece or whatever. Yes. That like, I don't know, it's, it's like it feels so much more soulful than a lot of his other stuff. It really does. And also in terms of the character element, you know, sometimes when things are a straight character piece, and I'm not saying that Taxi Driver is, but you just go, okay, I get it. But also where's the story? Right. But but I didn't, I don't feel that way about yeah, this. I feel yeah. like, and that's a really hard balance to, to truly um, do something that is so character driven, but also have the story flow plot, so not, yeah. exactly. And yeah, and it's and it's definitely a testament again to Schrader is like the 
it's like a genius sort of move like you're saying where it's it feels like you really are watching and you you don't see the strings to it and you're watching this guy sort of implode or whatever but you're also the more and more deeper he goes the more kind of messed up stuff he's doing or like you know the plot to kill a assassinate you know like a presidential candidate uh but like even in that you're still rooting for him because yeah it has this like anchor i guess it, it feels satisfying that it, it has a conclusion it has an anchor it's heading somewhere and you know he's like he's going to save a small girl from being you know raped and abused so uh -huh. it's like by the end of it that's what's so cool about it is like you hate him and you feel conflicted but it's like he's doing something so noble almost accidentally that you're just like well shit I gotta be on his side. This. Yeah. You know, it's this really cool push and pull. It's really interesting coming to this movie in the time that we live in. 100%. Um, I mean, even just the Florida, th I was thinking about, you know, the shooting. Yes. I, I was thinking about that too, because as I was watching the film, um, something that was really hard for me was basically that Travis, um, you know, I understand, I understand depression. I understand feeling a little aimless or, mm -hmm. or not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, there is part of me that, that really kind of just wanted to be like, yeah, but also maybe, maybe don't do this. Like maybe don't buy a gun or maybe don't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, and I feel like it's the narrative, like Travis's, uh, narrative is something that we are so familiar with now yeah. because it is so, um, it is so much in, you know, people like this do buy guns and they do kill yeah. people that aren't pimps or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, and even, I mean, I like Scorsese talks about it, like in, you know, interviews with it, but, and we can kind of get into like what the ending means or what you thought the yeah. ending was, but it's like, I agree with sort of his reading of it, of it being like, he's going to do this again. And like, it could be, and, and really he would have, he would have been, yeah, like the, you know, presidential assassin sort of story. Uh, if he just wouldn't have messed up. Right. You know, so That's it's like exactly he was right. right on the edge of like where his story went wasn't really up to him. But there is that inevitability of like and you're just like the whole time like, no, 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 no. You can just see it building and escalating. And yeah, man, it's just so the movie is just so ahead of its time, yeah. but of its time still. It's just so cool. I don't know. It's it's really hard to even just kind of like wrap your head around like they were in this. They were in the place the right place, the right time, but also like they were leading themselves there, yes. you know? And like, and, uh, this is probably the only time, not, not to ever put low life or reference my yeah. work or whatever in that sort of thing. But you know, like we started shooting that, I was just saying like, we, we wrote it in 2015, we were shooting in 2016 and it, it definitely deals with a lot of stuff like Trumpian sort yes. of nightmare stuff. But it was like, I feel like, I can kind of see where you saw where it was going, but, it, and you want to talk about it. Like Scorsese and these guys want to talk about like that, that sort of person. That's just like, you know, a taking time bomb. But then, um, there's also forces out of your control that kind of put that together at that right time and everything. I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. The, the ending, the, the ending shocked me when I say that, I mean that he survived. Yeah. I like, I I actually wrote down what the fuck, <laughs> and that he was a hero. He's a hero. Yeah. I was like, 
oh no <laughs> and I and I and like look I am I, I I'm I know I'm not trying to I don't want to use the word problematic but I but because that's just such a loaded term now and, sure. and people are sick of hearing it but but I just but I was like um um what can we talk about this and i i did some i did googling i tried to find you know they did um at tribeca they did an anniversary screening right, so yep. they did a huge round of press Panel everybody exactly yeah. um every outlet got got these in-depth great interviews um but as far as i could find and i read about four different pieces nobody talked about that yeah. it never came meaning the the moderators or the interviewers never asked and and just kind of, and maybe maybe because they feel like they've heard it explained to death but just in my googling i, I couldn't quite find any sort of like you know, um, further explanation or even reflection yeah. on the decision to not only let him live, but to make him a hero. Right. So it was, did you, did you read about the whole like people series of like, that it's his sort of like a dream? Yeah. And, I, that, which I don't super buy. Personally. It doesn't. Um, so I didn't read that, but that doesn't surprise me. Right. You know, like that, that's something that, and also I, I'm a big fan of, of alternate readings yeah, of things. Yeah. And so I, that's absolutely something that crossed my mind. Right. Um, and you know, I mean, it just felt like when the, when that, that slow shot back out of the building and all the ruckus is happening out on the street, that just seemed like the perfect place to end the movie to yeah. me. Um, and oh, then so you have a problem with the ending, like, or not a problem, the, but you had the little extra Dakota, of him yeah. like yeah. driving around and, and yeah. having, picking up Sybil Shepherd. I mean, yeah, yeah, I did not appreciate that. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I was, I was just like, no, like if he's going to be this, because, okay. So it's the idea of, um, right place, right time. Mm -hmm. Meaning if he hadn't screwed up, he would have assassinated the presidential candidate. It would have been a different story. It would have been a different story. Exactly. Um, and so the audience is presented with all of this information. And so what, what better way to let the audience sort of decide for themselves almost mm -hmm. like, okay, we know that he was going to do something really bad, but we know that he went and essentially saved this little girl um, instead or because the first plan didn't work out. Yeah. And so letting that sort of sit and go, okay, this is, this is his conflicted um, resolution. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's where I thought it was going. Yeah, I really, I, I really like the ending, the coda, I mm -hmm. guess, um, and really with what it's saying of it being um, like it would almost to me be uh, like almost, I don't know, like like dangerous or um, like if you don't if you don't actually answer that question and, you, and if you leave it open with, you know, they, they were, I think, pretty careful maybe even to a fall. I mean, we can talk about it as well. I kind of was thinking more about like the racial stuff. Oh, as well. yeah. Um, and you know, they made a, there's always a big point made about like, uh, Harvey Keitel playing yep. like a, a pound yep. and then, and it was initially a black character and they shifted. So they were trying to be, I think like ultra responsible. Yes. And, and even to that point, I think like the ending, if you don't, if you leave it open ended, it does become a, it, you're not making that point of it being um, like the fact that he goes through this and comes out the hero is kind of what the movie's about. Like mm -hmm. if he, if he isn't 
and he's lauded for it. And that's why I don't really buy like the sort of the ending where people say like, Oh, it's a dream or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is what he wanted to have happen. Like it's true that he wanted it to happen. Maybe not in that sense, but like if you don't have him become the hero of the story in the end and you don't show that like uh, it's been sort of misconstrued Mm -hmm. and that like, again, he's going to just do it one more time Mm -hmm. and maybe the next time it's even worse or maybe the next time he doesn't accidentally save a, you know, 12 year old prostitute or whatever. It's like, You know, then you're not really, then you're just, I think, wallowing in kind of that character piece without. Oh, I see what you're saying. A satisfying sort of conclusion. Interesting. And even just making the point of it, you know? Yeah. Vigilante. Would you say this is a vigilante kind of film? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I've always kind of like, that's another thing I like about it. And even, you know, with Low Life, it's like, what genre is this? Like, yeah. it, you know, there's, I mean, it, it could be read as a horror film. It's terrifying, yep. you know, yep. <laughs> really. Um, obviously crime film kind of crime genre stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Like there are vigilante elements to it, but it's like nothing you've seen. Right. In that kind of, it's not like death wish or something. Well, you know? and, and that's, that's actually, in, that's what I was going to sort of say is the idea that, um, you know, so when the de- like death wish is getting a remake and it's in, when that tr- trailer came out, like, people were like, yeah. what yeah. is happening? It's ridiculous. Um, and, uh, and, and, but the concept of, of vigilante justice during this time period is so um, like, it feels like, oh, okay, I guess I could see. I think the thing though. Yeah. It's like, is it, do they even want you to be rooting for him? I guess like a vigilante film is like, you have to know it's like, Oh, this guy was slighted and yes. you know, whatever his wife and children, whatever. And he's going after him. Like this guy, you're like the whole time. Like, like you said, like, what is your problem? Like yeah. get over your shit. Yeah. I, and that's that. And I feel, I do feel that way. And I feel like <laughs> it's just funny. It's yeah. I, but I do feel like the movie is on Travis's side. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like I, Again, I mean, this is yeah. This is one man's opinion. Yes, yes sir. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always, I've always kind of gone back and forth on that because, like, for the longest time, I read more into again the racial stuff yeah. of it being like, okay, this is kind of like Scorsese's thing. Like he likes lingering on like or like you know using the n word, all that kind of stuff. But like the, it really feels like truly you're in like. Travis's head, his psychosis, like uh-huh. he needs to make people smaller than him, mm-hmm. even just like women, minorities, anything, anyone he can take to like think is lesser than him mm-hmm. helps him out. And that being, you know, again, what we're seeing now, it's like so crazy how like we're back in like a weird, you know, the make America great bullshit that you're just like him being, you know, I, and again, it's obviously like tailored by the times that we're living in watching it, but like him being a cowboy coming in, swooping in to save the day. And this kind of like su- supposedly standing for these, you know, sort of American values of that time or, or like of a, of a better time, mm-hmm. you know, in the seventies. Um, Cause you know, they were crumbling and had horrible recession and everything. Uh, it's just, it's it, that's the stuff that feels like now to me, like they, they weren't on his side. They were mm. actually kind of using this as a case study to mm. be like, there are people out there like this. We don't want to look at it. That's kind of the problem with why these people are here. Yep. And maybe that's, maybe I wasn't like, you know, getting to the point of the ending, but it's like, if you're doing a true case study, it's like, you have to kind of follow out of like it being like, 
this is a worst case scenario. Like this guy is going to do this again because he, you know, uh, was heralded yeah. a hero as a, for this, you know? Yeah. Um, the Harvey Keitel is so, um, my, I, this Sport. might sound, yeah, this, this might sound ridiculous, but when I first saw him, uh, I thought to myself, he looks like James Franco as Tommy Wiseau. Oh, yeah. Like he's like a dead <laughs> ringer for, he's doing Tommy Wiseau, James Franco cosplay, or I guess they're doing him. Yeah. It was, it was just like, it was, I mean, he is, Harvey Keitel is somebody who I need to spend more time with yeah. um, because he seems fascinating yeah. and every performance is great and um, but I've seen him be oh gosh what was I just watching I feel like I watched him in something where he was almost on the soft side um, meaning he wasn't this like you know aggressive uh, you know like tough guy or yeah. whatever and I remember being thinking to myself oh that's nice <laughs> you know yeah maybe, maybe piano I'm, which one? The piano. That wasn't it. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. He's done one or two where he's like yeah. softy. <laughs> but he's so he's so good. Like he's great. And oh, but okay. So what? Uh, Jodie Foster, and the scene where they are dancing mm. is endlessly creepy. Yeah. It is. It made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it, just because he's so physically so much bigger than her yeah. it, oh. i mean he's enveloping her yeah, yeah it's um that whole that whole look and that whole dynamic is is really really interesting but they they play it so authentically um it, it's really amazing well and even like you know again just there being like criticism where like and i guess this is part of what the film's doing too is like is that that back and forth of like you're, you're rooting for Travis and that's built, that's helping that scene's helping build the case, which it even just, it literally jumps out of his POV, which is like one of the only couple right, times, but then right. it's like, they, they try to like shoot him looking at the building. So you're like, okay, is this in his mind or whatever? Uh -huh. But anyways, um, but yeah, where you're building sympathy for Travis and then they like take it away from you. I don't know. It's so cool. Cause it's like by the end of it, He's doing super horrific. I mean, he puts a gun up underneath a guy's chin and executes him while a 12-year-old girl is two feet away from him screaming, don't shoot him. Yes. <laughs> but then also, <laughs> it's a guy who's guarding the door to a brothel with a 12-year-old girl. You know, it's just yes. like, you're like, well, man. <laughs> I feel Conflict like, of emotions. Yeah, here. <laughs> Travis is the captain of unwise decision, like like poor decision making. Because mm -hmm. there's so many, like there's, it's just you, you. He's so misguided. Well, he's like a self sabotager. Yes. Right? Like, I actually, and again, maybe this is just tenor of the times, mm -hmm. but just looking, watching it this time, I was like. This is like an MRA, like nice guy, yep. like proto yep. MRA dude. Yep. Where you're just like. I mean, he literally says, like, I wrote it down. Was it women? Women must have a union or something like against them. It's just like, like, so if someone hasn't, I'm sure they've done it. But like someone needs like a Travis Twitter account. That's just like way oh, too yes. <laughs> like, but that may be too satirical to even like take where you're just like is this real or not i don't yeah, know yeah it's it's funny you say that because um there, there his whole dynamic with sybil shepherd's character um 
really pushed those buttons mm -hmm, for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea that, you know... Well, and then he transfers those to a 12-year-old girl. Exactly. Again. Like, the, the same sort of, like, treating her the same way, saying the same stuff to her. Like, it's just like... Yeah, man. Well, and it's and it's and it's her fault, right? It's it's, it's, it's everyone's fault. Exactly. And her fault, especially. It, it's her fault that she uh, that he took her to a movie and she was upset. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but also let's consider, you know, it's just it's just yeah. I got so many buttons pushed during that all of their dynamics yeah. and and just not taking no for an answer and moving on. Yeah. And the other part of it is this is kind of related, but so okay, all of the work that Travis puts into his contraptions his guns his the way you know hiding it working out for this goal right this thing there was i was just like god if you applied all any of this effort mm -hmm. to like literally anything else yeah. you would be super super successful yeah do you know what i'm saying no 100 yeah and, and it's but it's that kind of it is the like you know it takes a lot to build a bomb and you're a genius to be able to do that too. So, exactly. you know, it is that like misguidedness, like you say, but then also, yeah, just really reading it this time, you just can see or watching it this time. I was just reading a lot more into it. Like it really is. It's all of his doing. He want he's putting himself in these situations. Yep. And I read like some, this is a while ago, but read some reading into it. That was kind of interesting where it was like, like, I mean, I love the scene and I, I take it as, I take everything as literal yes. in this movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously like we're in his mind and in, you know, like they're treating like they're kind of mixing with what's reality, what's not. But I really just take it on face value just because that's I would how I take it. Yeah, I would <laughs> but um, you know, I, I read like an interesting thing where it was like uh when he's on the phone with her, when, you know, the camera mm -hmm. dollies away from him, that's like a famous shot yes. of like an emotional dolly basically or it's like i cannot watch this guy like squirm this long you know uh where they were saying like she's not even on the phone with oh. him and he's but whatever it is it's like he's always got to make excuses and he's always got to make push her away push everyone away so that it, he can just get to the point where he explodes like he wants that like yeah. even from the beginning he's i mean more than i think any other character it's like and what's so fascinating again to to me is that it's like the best executed character study I've ever seen, but it's also of like the worst human being yeah. you don't want to follow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. but the fact that it makes you fall into it, it's like that's incredible filmmaking just on itself. And really interesting is like character study. I mean, the, like De Niro's performance is insane, but like the fact that he. I mean, he's like literally a misanthrope, like the most yes, yes. misanthropic, like just worse, hates the earth and humanity yeah. and everything and, and is putting all of his nonsense on it. And yeah, even and then you start getting into the sub, like obviously women and minority stuff, but it like it really was this time to me very like illuminated that it's just like he's trying to make all these things right. happen. He's always trying to like self-sabotage yep. and like mess stuff up so that like he can get to this weird place where it's like they're all asking for it and he has to then do it you yes know? isn't it isn't it fascinating how nothing has changed yeah you know i yeah. mean it's a, a, a watch but then also it's like it nothing's changed but then like this movie came out in the 70s where i would probably venture like 
male female <laughs> relationships that was like even worse yes you know? so it's like crazy that, yeah but probably it wasn't worse i'm just i'm putting on like this idea of what the past was but it's all the same shit well it's and humans I, right i mean yeah it is and, and i think that in terms of like the dynamics between the the those types of relationships it's it's <laughs> truly i mean even if it was a different time it's it's sort of like the dynamic is still exactly the same just executed in a different way mm-hmm. you know so so maybe showing well no it is exactly that <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> We're about to get into the therapy session. Yeah, seriously. Um, all right. Last thing about this. And then I want to ask you what you would add to the list. Um, I noticed, let's see, I wrote it down. Low life pimp, low life junkies. Is there any sort of connection? I'm hearing the word low life a lot in this movie and I know it was very influential to you. Did yeah. it come up at all? Or do you think it's just a coincidence subconscious um, to name them to, you know, yeah, I mean, we did, we talked a little, I mean, not a ton, but mm-hmm. we did, like, the writers, we talked specific, and this is one of the other writers' favorite film. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of my top whatever, but yep. this is, like, his straight-up favorite film. Um, so, I mean, we did talk about, in our film, we have a guy with a swastika tattoo yep. on his face, and he's, like, one of the main characters, and hopefully by the end, there's some sympathy drawn from him or yep. whatever, you know, you're rooting for him. So we did kind of talk about, okay, like, practically... Like, and we were saying earlier, it's like, how do you get any kind of sympathy out of Travis? Like we've seen his darkest moments and we've yes. seen like, I mean, we're in his mind of like really horrible, negative, gnarly stuff that he's like the way he views the world and everything. But it's also his actions are like he's saving a 12 year old girl from mm-hmm. prostitution. So you're like, well, OK, I kind of can't argue with that. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I'm conflicted at, at the very least. So, yeah, that was definitely like early on i mean it's a huge influence on me just again of of production wise just like using what you have and like real like it looks so great uh the film looks so awesome and and feels like a document of the moment because like you know they didn't have a ton of studio Mm -hmm. lights and money and everything to go out and like close down streets and all this stuff or whatever so it feels like they went out on the street and shot it and new york was dangerous at that time and you know there was like famously like a trash strike so it's like everywhere while they were shooting there's piles of garbage on the place and And rain and it was hot and ugh. yeah no yeah so and it's leaning into all that stuff it's like they're not trying to make a beautiful hollywood movie Mm -hmm. you know so that that was definitely like lessons from that but yeah, if we could be like one tenth as cool and punk as Taxi Driver, like we we've done all right. I, I, I think it's pretty pretty cool and punk. Um, is there is there anything else about this movie that that in particular that you wanted to touch on? Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about. I mean, yeah, it, kind of even with what you were saying with um, like, I'm always really fascinated just as a filmmaker, like what were the filmmakers intentions versus like what kind of came out? Absolutely. So again, the racism, like sort of the misogyny of it, like you start getting into a weird, like, is this like actually what the film is saying or is it what the film is portraying? I mean, the scene where Travis shoots the, the guy holding up the store Mm -hmm. who is a black man. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's, no consequence um and not only that this man is dead and the store owner comes around and just starts beating the body it was so like i mean and and look i didn't i didn't live in new york in that 
period of time. So <laughs> I, by all accounts, it was a very different place than it is now. <laughs> so fair, like, you know, people, I'm not saying that this is inauthentic to uh, that, that location or that time, but yeah, it was just, um, it, it, yeah, I want, you have to wonder, right? What those intentions are. Yeah. yeah, it's really, I mean, it's so cool. It's just, it feels like, and I wrote this down in my notes, but just like this time, obviously, I mean, Scorsese's always like on some Catholic guilt stuff. Just, oh, totally. Just done in. But like <laughs> that puritanical, I wrote down self-flagellation, which it does feel like the whole thing. And even like you were saying, it's like to before you even wanted to watch it, you kind of knew like, oh, man, am I going to actually literally subject myself to this mm -hmm. or not? You know, and and it is party to that. I watched it. It was crazy. I watched it three times through. Whoa. Just because I hadn't seen it in a while. And sure. you know, one of them, to be fair, I kind of had it on the background while I was doing other stuff. But sure. like, yeah, just seeping in. I just I felt nasty after that. I was like, oh, my God, this is not how I want to feel. But also, it's just so well made and Absolutely. so well done that you're just like, it's kind of a marvel and to watch, you know, that know. that's how I feel. I noticed your shirt when you walked in. That's how I feel about clockwork orange. Yeah. Um, you know, to, admittedly, I'm not a huge Kubrick fan. Um, but I remember when I was in college and I was dating some East Atlanta hipster, of course, and hanging out with his friends. But, and I remember one of them saying, Oh yeah, we do clockwork orange Saturday where, we put it on around brunch and we all have brunch and watch <laughs> clockwork orange. And I was like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Like, and, and look, I under, I'm not, I'm not a prude. I, you know, horror is my not a hater. No, I'm not a <laughs> hater and I'm not, and I'm not a prude and I'm not a little princess that needs to be handled delicately. But I'm just like, you guys eat brunch and watch Clockwork Orange. Yeah. This is not a fun. Yeah. Th this is and and let's go torture animals. E exactly. <laughs> like let's let's go let's. I just would you like some champagne with your lady rape? Like yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. Um. And so that's not to say that Malcolm McDowell isn't an inc it's not an incredible performance yeah. from him. And it's not to say that it doesn't make all the points it's trying to make beautifully. Um. And it's not to say it's not a great film yeah. it's just unpleasant yeah and well that is really i mean i'm always kind of going back and forth with that of just again being a filmmaker of like and that's why i i at least me personally i'm i'm trying to find some kind of balance whether i succeed or not is another thing but like some balance of yeah there being some kind of entertainment value to it while you're also kind of delving into this stuff and maybe those are those can't coexist together you know it's like our movie is pretty gnarly where you know you have like we do talk about sex trafficking yep. and addiction and all, all sorts of gnarly stuff organ harvesting stuff or whatever and then there's you know some humor to it's it really well. funny yeah, yeah. the movie's hilarious but and it is trying to find that kind of balance but like and not everything has to be that obviously yes. but yeah i don't know it's like i'm always i am always kind of thinking of that of like i love taxi driver like i don't I don't think I could make Texas driver, but I don't know that I would even, and especially now, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would like delve into like on the straight face of it, trying to do taxi, a uh, taxi driver type thing now, or does that even work anymore? Or do films even work like that anymore? You know, it's, yeah. it's so fascinating, but it, at the same time, it's like, it is, it feels very modern and it feels like it's talking about a lot of the same stuff we're going through now. And, and like, we're in just like 
you know, we're in the same hell that Travis is driving around in. Yeah, you know, you know it's um. So I know this is gonna maybe sound like a like a leap, but um, it might sound silly at first, but it's kind of to me a, an example of a character in movies that is that is kind of exploring this, but also wildly is empathetic and sympathetic is to me adam driver and the star wars trilogy Mm -hmm. the new one like that is he he is they call him what do they call uh kylo uh oh god um i'm i'm gonna butcher it but there's some funny name that makes that's like you know he's a He's a like 4chan a guy or uh, he's oh, well, yeah, oh, like yeah, less oh, yeah. than, yeah, yeah. you know, like and, and it's less about like him being angsty because I feel like in Force Awakens, he's he is angsty and he's and you're just kind of like, no, OK. But I do feel like in Last Jedi, you get into this place with him where he is this prototype of yep. this guy, this guy who has everything. Uh, nice guy. Ni- yeah. And then <laughs> and then sort of you find out. But but you but Adam Driver, I think, is the key to making that character. Um, not just like I hate this no, guy. Yeah. You know, the performance that he is able to bring, yeah. I think, is what makes it sell. But that said, um, it's a it's a hard thing to do, and it's not his movie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, it is, and and I think yeah, it is. In that, what's so cool about that kind of stuff is they're using they're talking they have a character like that in a Star Wars movie. Yes, like that's really cool. Yes, you know, and they can kind of like sugar the pill a little bit and. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not advocating to not have movies like this anymore because mm-hmm. I love. I mean, I feel like Nightcrawler was yep. kind of in that vein or whatever, um, and I would love to see more of this type of stuff. And we're moving away from it, but also, yeah, there's something to be said. I think for like, and this movie does not do that, but I think like if anyone like didn't have the skills of all these people that made this film. Um, it could be, you would go like a little more preachy or you'd Mm want to be making some kind of like big grandiose statement thing. And yeah, it's like, this feels so much like an actual event that we're now like, I mean, we are literally digging into and trying to kind of put back together and figure it out after the fact. So yeah, it just feels so ahead of its time and like very prescient of like, what was coming it's really freaky and yet it feels very very of its time <laughs> oh yeah which is yeah. incredible that it can be both yeah yeah and i i guess it's just it's one of those it's timeless art oh boy <laughs> is it ever um okay so everybody gets the opportunity to add a movie to the list that they that isn't on the list mm-hmm. do you have any ideas or thoughts on that well it's funny you mentioned the thing earlier so now i was going back and forth i can cross that off because okay. you, you've already been okay. complaining I'm, about the I'm thing. Stomping. Like, I'm stomping. I got I to come like with something original <laughs> that like n- like left field. Um, but yeah, I was I was between Thing and RoboCop. Oh. So RoboCop to me, and I feel like, you know, it's also of like, but it's almost been what, 10 years since the last list or yes. 15 yes, years. Yes, correct. Or We're due for forever. another one. Yeah. Allegedly. So like, yeah. So they're like, they're going to come around and put is is alien on there i can't remember if alien on the there. the big list or on the thrills it's a big list. list um alien is i don't believe is on the big list yeah uh, i'm gonna go robocop but just because um personal stuff but um 
Alien's another one that's like, why is Alien not on there? And I think Blade Runner is on there, which I like Blade Runner, mm-hmm. but Aliens. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Alien is on. Okay. I need to memorize the list. But um, with RoboCop, uh, that's a really fun, that's a tricky one, I think, in the eyes of a prestigious body exactly. such as the American Film Institute. AFI, which, you know, they, they somehow let me, <laughs> like, walk those halls. I'm surprised. Uh, it's great, though. I mean, they need, <laughs> so look, this is, you know, if I have, if I have, like, one, um, one you know drum that I will not stop beating it's that genre storytelling needs to be as revered and regarded as straight mainstream drama yeah. or it's foolish to dismiss it it's so good it's like almost better because you're actually kind of um you can talk about deeper stuff and bigger things I I feel like a lot of times or bigger issues or whatever because you're Yes. You know, cloaking it in genre. Absolutely. And and RoboCop is one that, um, <laughs> it, it, um, uh, oh my God, why am I um, blanking on, Verhoeven. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's such a good example of what he's so good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but I think, I wonder, it's like we were talking about earlier, the idea that you're talking about really difficult topics, but with, uh, a smirk or kind mm-hmm. of a wink because there's always a slight satirical there's always satire in his I mean, it's stuff full it, satire, you know yeah. and yeah. and some of it is supposed to be funny and some of it is supposed to be black comedy mm-hmm. and and you know people are not always ready to to be able to laugh mm-hmm. or or even find themselves amused at really dark stuff right. and i think that's too bad you yeah. know it's a, it's it's it is too bad just across the board. Yeah, and even like, yeah, specifically with RoboCop, it's, I mean, it's talking about just, I mean, again, with where we're at now, it's like corporatization and like, you know, the criminals, justice system, prison, all that bullshit. And yeah, so I feel like it's so horrible. That stuff is so terrible that like you have to find another way in because if it, if you're just making a straight up, I mean, you can't make a straight up drama of RoboCop, but if you're making a straight yeah. up drama version of RoboCop that does not called RoboCop and does not have a RoboCop in it. Yeah. Yes, um, indeed. Uh, and you're talking about those same issues. Like uh, you're going to like audiences just turn, they, they turn off. Absolutely. They don't even want to hear it. Yes. They're just like, okay, whatever. Yes. You know? So it's like, you have to sneak that in a little bit and, and Robo, literally call I, I can't ever say robocop without laughing yeah. it's hysterical it's, you know? it is and yeah the fact that they made a movie called robocop and it's like talking about what it's talking about and it's so as successful it's like and it really i mean it's just it's also very um influential you know i feel like so many people kind of have taken from that since then oh, so yeah. yeah it's like that belongs in the in the afi list as much as you know, whatever singing in the rain. I, I, w- <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Um, my high school drama teacher, anytime he he didn't like the way that we were acting or like our performance, he would say, "You know, this this is this is you, Clark. Release the woman." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I don't." He would say, "He would say, uh, I I need you to feel this. I need you to what? You know, think about it." do not go robocop do not robocop you need to no robocop and, it, and that was we that, all like robocop but come on yeah that was our that was the the acting the acting shame was don't don't be robocop um he didn't know what he was talking about yeah he, he <laughs> but was, uh yeah that's my like mine uh-huh. but, like the one that i'm just surprised that there's not one of 
his films is Cassavetes. Like, oh, yeah, crazy. totally. I mean, he is sort of the godfather of all of these, like, indie films, Taxi Driver, all this yep. stuff. You know, it's really crazy that uh, for American indie cinema that he's not... I mean anything. Do you have do you have a one in particular that you like the best? Um, I mean, for the list, yeah. Like Woman Under the Influence, uh huh, is like I'm yeah. I just I'm shocked that's not on there. Um, my favorite is uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie, mm. but that's a weird one. I don't mm -hmm. think that would ever make the list. But yeah, I can't believe that they don't have Woman Under the Influence. Incredible performances, mm -hmm. you know what it's talking about, and that's like. That's the best uh, Oscar bait movie that was never Oscar bait. It's How really interesting. Weird. You know, I, I've never seen that. Oh, man, you got to Yeah, I got to. I have to. It's um like, you know, Cassavetes would make all his stuff. He was an actor, mm -hmm. and then he would make all his stuff, like, with his buddies. Yeah. Kind of on his own and his wife. Um, and Gina Rollins is, like, the lead in mm -hmm. it. And she is, I mean, it will, it will tear your heart apart. It's oh. crazy. It's like... So maybe this is like a taxi driver thing where you're just going to like... You have to get ready. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to do it. Um, no, my friend Lewis was just in here and um, he was talking about uh, they shoot horses, don't they? And uh, and I was like, oh, you know what? I think I've never... And so I've never seen it. So I sat down and I watched it. And uh, God, that is a great that movie. Is a movie. It's that, so good. That's one of those I saw as a kid that I was like... Oh, do they shoot horses? I, I don't know if I want to. I was like, do I want to watch this? Am do I want to watch them shoot horses? Is this about shooting horses? And then it was not. No, it's not about shooting horses. Um, that's crazy, though, that you're watching that movie as a kid. Right? They shoot horses? Yeah. Oh, I saw it. I mean, uh, First Blood was like my movie when I was a little kid. I was like yeah. three. Yeah, okay. Watching that movie. And um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, my babysitter took me to see when I was Great. 11. Yes. So that just ruined me. So We've there was no, I went too far that it was just like, okay, whatever. That, it doesn't matter. That was the baby, the, the infamous babysitter that shows you something that you definitely don't yeah. need to be seeing. No, I just, I didn't even, I, I, that gave me like, you know, weird psychosis just seeing, I was like, did I dream this movie or did I have like... Are these events from my past that I don't? And then when I saw it as an adult, I was like, oh, this is from this movie this... I should have never seen as a child. Yeah, it's so funny. I came to Silence of the Lambs later in my life, um, probably in high school, early college. And uh, I just, I, I couldn't, I just thought it was sort of ridiculous. Oh, you don't? Uh, I mean, I enjoy it. I do enjoy oh, I the movie. movie. And and I think it's very well directed and I think it's very well acted, of course. You and, can think it's ridiculous. It's but it's, it's slightly ridiculous. <laughs> Some of it is slightly ridiculous. It's very serious. Oh, it's, yeah. It's very serious. Super and serious. of course, it's serious subject matter. But I think the, the way that it exploded pop culture, yeah. it's so hard to come to it later because it's already, you already know it's it. It's like a, it's like, it's definitely, I can see that. It's like a trashy airport novel, totally. right? Totally. I mean, wasn't that the book? Like yes, that, absolutely. That stuff is all like kind of the fun Gone Girl sort of yes. read, whatever. Now, well, and that's what's funny is that it snuck by. It 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 tricked the Academy yep. into you know into thinking and and you know look genre getting recognition great, but uh, but it it is it it is it's a tra it's a trashy you know cop story serial killer story yep. with with you know scandalous uh weird stuff and <laughs> and you know it's just but looking at and, and the buff some of the buffalo bill stuff like i i you know as we wrap this up um they did a retrospective celebrating 25 years or something or where they thing or yeah what? where they talked to everybody and they talked about the making of the movie and they reminisced and all this stuff nobody 
mentioned Ted Levine. Oh, wow. Nobody. I, I feel like this is the redheaded stepchild, the black sheep. Nobody ever wants to talk about Buffalo Bill because, A, it is a very, even, I mean, good God, I can't imagine even at the time it wasn't an offensive, yeah. yeah, ridiculous. Not to say he isn't giving it his all because mm -hmm. he is mm -hmm. um, and he's very dedicated and he's great in it but nobody wants to it's like the, it's like yeah it's it's their skeleton in the closet yeah. like oh, don't talk about that whatever Hannibal Lecter's so good yeah. right <laughs> anyway um, well Ryan this has been great thank, yeah, thank you, you, you for doing this and uh, I hope everybody goes and watches Low Life um, because it is awesome April 6th April 6th well thank you thank you <laughs> friends that's going to do it for today's episode i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did go see low life in theaters and on vod on april 6th from ifc midnight i love this movie and uh that's why i had ryan on the show quite frankly um and uh yeah we are going to be back on thursday with a patreon exclusive mini for five dollar monthly contributors and higher um so if you haven't checked that out patreon.com slash clark wolf um and if you uh if you want to support the show, but you are not, you know, comfortable or don't feel like you want to donate monetarily, totally fine. If you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast app of choice, that is a huge, huge help for me and for the show. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you soon.